Parker is running with Venus. I'm Tanya Hall and joining me is Dr. Nikki Fox, Heliophysics Division Director, Science Mission Directorate at NASA. Welcome back, Nikki. Thank you. Remind our audience what you do as Heliophysics Division Director and your contributions to the Parker Solar Probe Mission. So as the uh, director for heliophysics, I get to oversee um, the whole portfolio of research that goes into heliophysics. So really goes into the study of the sun, um, all the way from the interior of the sun, all the way out to the very edge of our heliosphere, the very edge of kind of the bubble that we live in, our solar system lives in as we orbit around the Milky Way. And so that includes a fleet of spacecraft that are all sort of located in key key spots between the sun and the edge of the heliosphere, and also a, an incredible research program uh, where we uh, put, sort of take all the data from all of those different missions and put it together to uh, make new discoveries. And Parker Solar Probe, of course, is one of those missions, the one that has the title of closest to uh, closest flyby of a star. Your colleagues on the Mars 2020 team have gotten a lot of well-deserved attention recently. But I wanted to point out that even though the Parker Solar Probe is not necessarily a planetary explorer, it just had an interesting interaction with our other neighbor, Venus. Tell us about that. It did, yes. So um, even though our prime mission, of course, is flying through the corona of the sun and studying how a star works up close and personal, part of our sort of mission, um, the CONOPS, the, the concept of operations that we have is really to, to use the planet Venus and do gravity assists around that planet. And, and people are often familiar with um, other missions doing gravity assists around Jupiter um, to actually gain momentum, gain energy, and, and, and be able to move faster. Um, Parker Solar Probe actually does the reverse. We fly by Venus and we, we generously give um, energy to the planet Venus, or, or we, we use um, the planet to actually pull some energy away from uh, the, the spacecraft. So it actually slows down a little bit. It's a, a little bit like a handbrake turn. And so we slow down using um, Venus's gravity and that actually shrinks our orbit. And so that's how um, Parker Solar Probe is able to step closer and closer um, with those uh, subsequent orbits every time we do a Venus flyby. And so uh, we have seven of them planned for the mission duration and we just completed um, the, uh, the fourth one. Uh, but the, the, the one before that was actually the, the third Venus flyby was a very unique one um, for, for Parker Solar Probe. And we were able to come incredibly close to, uh, to the planet. Um, and we've got some really great in-situ data. It was an incredibly close planetary flyby. Um, and so that, that was a really great um, uh, thing. Um, also, we were able to take some images of um, Venus and they were actually just published um, uh, last month um, to show us uh, the first kind of look at, at the, um, the complete Venus orbit. And so as we've been sort of flying around in our orbits, we've been able to image uh, the solar wind or the area sort of right in front of, of uh, Parker Solar Probe. And we've able to, been able to sort of put it all together and give a complete look at Venus's orbital dust ring. And it's, so that's like a collection of microscopic dust particles that is circulating around the sun along the Venus orbit. And it wasn't until Parker Solar Probe performed a sort of 
a rolling maneuver. Um, and so uh, it was managing, uh, the spacecraft was managing its momentum on its way back into the next solar flyby. And so it changed the orientation of its cameras. And um, because of the way it rolled, the whole static dust ring was, um, was able to be imaged by, by our camera, by our whisper camera. Uh, so that's the white light imager that normally looks at the solar wind. And so um, we were able to look at the relative brightness and scientists uh, estimated that the dust along the Venus orbit track is about 10 times more dense than um, its neighboring regions. And so uh, a really great result. Um, you know, people thought there was probably a dust ring um, that was sort of swept around as Venus is orbiting around the sun. But because of this fortuitous um, momentum maneuver um, that the, the, the uh, Parker Solar Probe did, the camera swept through exactly the right area and was able to actually image uh, that dust ring for us. So was grazing the top of Venus's upper atmosphere a planned part of Parker's mission or was it a fortunate added feature? Um, it was, so it's a little bit of both. Um, it's where Venus is at the time that we were, were flying past. Um, so, but it, you know, when, when we set the first orbital profiles and you know, you decide where the spacecraft is gonna go and, and uh, it, it, it's really when you do certain um, uh, like trajectory correction maneuvers that you can sort of point the spacecraft very accurately. And, but it was always planned that this third one would be a, a very low flyby. Um, it was also great because we actually flew past Venus on the way out um, of the of the orbit instead of on the way into the sun, which meant that our, our, our visible imager was pointing at Venus and was able to take some of these really great images. Um, uh, we also, uh, because we were low, we were actually, we we're looking for um, signatures of lightning um, at, at Venus. Um, and so th those data are all still being analyzed, but lots of really great stuff um, flying so close to, to, to the planet. Uh, so uh, actually in the, in the image um, here, uh, you can also see a couple of other features. Um, it isn't just um, the, uh, the, the dust ring you can see, you can also see a beautiful image of the Milky Way um, in there, as well as um, a couple of planets um, also visible, and, and as well a beautiful image of the corona. So this is really a, a fantastic, a detailed image showing not just the sun's corona, but also a planets, a, a planetary dust ring and the Milky Way. So how's that for one image? <laughs> That's pretty beautiful. So as you mentioned, Parker just successfully completed its eighth close approach to the sun. Tell us about this record-breaking accomplishment. Certainly. Um, so yes, uh, after that was, so we, we went into the eighth one after the fourth Venus flyby. So everything's just happened really quickly. Everything happens quickly on, on Parker Solar Probe. But we completed that fourth Venus flyby and then in, uh, in she went for perihelion number eight. And of course, as you say, uh, more record breaking distances for us. So um, let's see, she is, her perihelion is now 6.5 million miles away from uh, the sun's surface. So that is a significantly closer um, than, than we've been before. Uh, obviously by the time we've done our seventh Venus flyby, we will be at 3.9 million miles. So we're still, we've still got a ways to go, but just 6.5 million miles. And you know, roughly speaking, um, if you put the earth and the sun a meter apart, you know, we're, we're, we're at about that um, sort of six, seven centimeter um, range from from there. So really getting in um, close to, to, to the sun now. 
And no conversation about Parker Solar Probe would ever be complete without mentioning Dr. Eugene Parker. Is he still as thrilled as the rest of us with, uh, with each new close approach? Yes, he's thrilled with every close approach. He's, uh, he's avidly reading all of the papers and um, really enjoying uh, uh, just the success of the mission and actually hoping in uh, November to head out to Sweden with him um, as he was awarded the Crawford Prize in Astronomy actually last year. And of course, because of COVID, um, we could not go and, and have the celebratory event for him. Um, but we are hoping that by November, it will be good and we'll be able to actually travel in person to, to honor um, Dr. Parker and all of his amazing work. Now, you and I have talked about this. Um, you just finished a community workshop educational event that was pretty successful. How did it go? Yes, it was wonderful. So it was a big sort of community event. Um, and we it was open to anyone, any, any scientist, anyone that had interest in heliophysics. And of course, we, we were hoping to have an in-person event. And because of COVID, we delayed it, delayed it again, and then in the end, made the decision to go all virtual, which was a little bit, little bit scary, because often when you have these community workshops, you really rely on people being in the same room, bouncing ideas off one another. And this is really to plan um, the future of heliophysics. And so we called it Helio 2050, because we wanted to look beyond just a decade, but really plan what um, what the, the future of heliophysics will be. And so we went to this virtual platform a little bit nervous about it was anyone really going to take part? How can you have a discussion when you're on a Zoom platform, etc. We had 1150 people that um, registered for the event, which was overwhelming. You know, we were hoping for maybe 500. So we had more than twice that amount, um, at least between 450 and 600 people um, fully engaged during the, the each of the different sessions. We had sessions that targeted different elements of the heliophysics science. So some things looking at solar, some looking at, at the magnetosphere, some looking at the ionosphere, thermosphere. We had some cross-cutting um, sessions where we looked at kind of frontiers, you know, what are the next big things? Um, what are the cross-discipline things that you want to do? Um, it was wonderful. We, we had people from, you know, the solar discipline really robustly participating in the magnetospheric discussions, et cetera, and vice versa. And so it was just a really nice um, melding of people of the community coming together to really help us define uh, what the next big things are in heliophysics. We also had a wonderful um, session that focused on making the community accessible and welcoming for everybody. Um, you know, so we have tremendous um, talent in our early career scientists. How are we making sure that they are they are supported and and nurtured to be able to go on to be mid-career and late career scientists? Um, how are we making sure that we bring diversity and inclusion into our field and, and really make everybody feel that they're welcome? So we had a wonderful discussion on that. Um, people sharing challenges, um, other people sharing opportunities, and it was just a, an amazing session. So tremendous um, support, new voices, um, a lot of early career people. I kept stressing, you know, um, the, the next decadal survey that we do um, is, you know, yes, that's for people my age, but um, the one beyond that, that's all about the early career. You know, the, 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 the next 10 years is when the early career 
folks are really going to make their mark and 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 sort of create their careers and so really being involved now was so important so it was just great to have all these new voices and a large um fraction also from our international partners too so uh, it was just a tremendous event and i'm really 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 proud of the community of how they uh stood up and and really embraced this and i think that you know we've got tremendous momentum going forward to really propel us into into the next decade and beyond. So it was a great success. Well, with what it was such a tremendous feedback uh, that you had from all the participants, hopefully we'll see another one of these and we'll be following closely to see if another one's announced. Congratulations on all the success of that event as well as all the work with Parker Solar Probe's mission. Where can we go to follow the progress of all of the Helia physics missions? Uh, sure, so you can follow us on Twitter at NASA Sun on Facebook at NASA Sun Science, um, all things NASA at nasa.gov. And you can follow me at SolarGirl2018. I love it. I love that you plug that Solar Girl every time. Thank you. Thank you so much for joining <laughs> us. It's always a pleasure to have you here. Thank you so much. Of course. And find and subscribe to more of my interviews right here on YouTube, iTunes, Spotify, Stitcher, or at tanyahall.net. Thanks for watching.